live from where we do podcasts. It's the best in remakes, reboots, and revivals. And now, your hosts, Nicole and Rolando. Welcome back to the fourth ever Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals Awards, where we award the best in the remake, reboot, and revival world. (laughs) Yes. Very uh, very heavy. Um, It's exciting to always do these. Everyone's waiting for this. It's the most fun episode of the year. Uh, There's always like a fun like end of year recap, looking forward to the next year kind of thing goes on. So we like to hop on that bandwagon. And I feel like this year in particular, we covered like so, so much. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that like this one's gonna be a loaded one. There's just so much content that we did. I feel like do you don't you kind of feel like this is the heaviest in terms of content we've ever done? Um, yes, I, I guess without you, and we took breaks, and we took breaks, which is so weird. Yeah, it it feels like looking at the list, we have oh, let me see, about thirty seven things that we're gonna be talking about, which wow. just feels kind of like a lot. Yeah. Um, I think maybe last couple of years we did more that like of didn't get released that year. Like last year we did the Brady Bunch, which was, you know, a throwback. And, and we've done a lot of those in the past. And we've even done like one offs. Like we just did the Christmas covers episode. Mm-hmm. So and yet it's really content heavy, but it was quite the year. Uh, it wasn't my favorite year that we of content, at least. Really? But no, it wasn't. Okay. Do you I mean, know what my favorite year is? Uh that would require me remembering all the stuff that we've covered <laughs> and when we've covered it, you know? Yeah. I think it's a tie between 2019 and last year. Uh-huh. Last but... year was what? West Side Story and... Uh... Yeah, Nightmare Alley Nightmare came Alley. out. Yeah. Um, this year was good, though. It's not like I hated this year, but it was mm. it was not my favorite as all. Well. All right. So, as per usual, we are going to go through all the lists of the potential nominations, and then we're going to start handing out awards Mm -hmm. so for films we have 24 films that we covered and the nominees are the matrix revolutions scream or as i like to call it five cream the tragedy of macbeth death on the nile coda academy award-winning coda ill cyrano (laughs) the batman cheaper by the dozen I'm getting all the whack ones. <laughs> it's okay. I just got Firestarter. <laughs> Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. Top Gun Maverick. Jurassic World. Lightyear, which was actually one that you technically can't talk about unless you've seen it since. I have not seen it. I I guess I have no desire of seeing Lightyear. Wow, isn't that crazy? A yeah. Pixar movie based on Toy Story. It's and I just have like not one... I owed like one inkling of desire to see this. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know what that says about Pixar at the moment. Well, but. that's I mean, yeah, it says I think a lot. But if you did see it, I think you would enjoy it, but you'd forget about it. And that's mm. how I felt about the movie. All right. Uh, Lightyear. Father of the Bride. Elvis. Beavis and Butthead. Take on the universe. Prey. Pinocchio. Disney's Pinocchio specifically. Hocus Pocus 2. Hellraiser. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Disenchanted. A Christmas Story Christmas. 
Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Awesome. And now for television properties that we covered, the nominees are the Harry Potter 20th 20th year anniversary reunion special, I guess. Is that, I think you could just call it the Harry Potter special. <laughs> the Harry Potter special. And just like that. Murderville. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The Time Traveler's Wife. Queer as Folk. Obi-Wan, which I cannot speak to. Mm, a League of Their Own. The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. American Gigolo. Let the right one in. Interview with a Vampire. Wednesday. Wednesday. So we ended with... What was the last one we covered? Pinocchio, but, I guess? Yeah, Pinocchio was okay. the last full one. Got yep. it. Uh, although, full disclosure on our end, like both Nicole and I had seen different properties that were supposed to be like our last week. I guess we never agreed on what we were going to do. So, Nicole, you did... You, co- you, you watched Avatar, right? Yes, I did Avatar. And I watched... Uh, which one is it? The the Santa Clauses, which I regret that we didn't cover, to be honest. I you have a lot to say about it. I kind of do, to be honest. It's, uh, it's like an interesting... It's interesting having Tim Allen, because of his politics, front oh. and center, mm. uh, talking about, like, oh, we've lost the meaning of Christmas, which just kind of seems like this really coded message of, like conservatives complaining about you know people not saying the word merry christmas and stuff instead of saying happy holidays and uh it's this weird message also that's coming from disney which just like which is anti-consumerist but like disney is like the biggest push of like capitalism and consumerism so it's a weird weird movie plus i think it was most interesting to have cal penn play the antagonist and he's such a well, you know, he works for the Obama administration, for example, right? He's he's pretty liberal and stuff. So I, I interesting. It was an interesting watch that I regret not talking about it. But you know what? If uh, any listeners out there do want to talk about it, slide it to my DMs by all means. Yeah, I, I just I'm kind of taken aback by all of that. I, it's <laughs> it's like, just like the more I watched it, the more I was like thinking about it. I'm just like, this is an interesting. Yeah. Well, that could have been an interesting discussion because I even want to talk to you. Like, how much is political awareness, you know, necessary to, and enable to enjoy something? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it hinder the experience? Or is it something that you want to be aware of because you don't just want to, you know, digest things, uh, I guess, like, without knowing, you know, what the intention behind it is? Mm-hmm. So that is, oh, well, opportunity lost. Um, okay, so we're going to actually do a little couple of different categories. If you've listened to this for the past three years, you know, a lot has changed ever since the pandemic, a lot of stuff comes to streaming and the streaming wars is real. We're in the midst of them. And so we figured, you know, we'd kind of give it to some of these streaming platforms and decide because we've done so many of them, which ones we like the best. So the first one we're going to do is we're going to do the best Disney plus originals. Yes. I mean, so many of the stuff we covered was Disney Plus, which shout out to Disney Plus for not for keeping me at home, basically. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, uh, yeah. So Disney Plus had a lot of them. So, yeah, well, Disney Plus surprisingly had a lot of films, um, even though they're known for like really pushing out television content. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of things that were potentials that we didn't cover. We, we chose to stick to the films. So uh, even though we read all the nominees, and this is what qualifies, it, need to, it needed to have been released 
on Disney Plus. It couldn't have been something that came out and then found its then, way yeah, onto Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. It has to be like a Disney Plus original. Yes. Like Death on the Nile was released in theaters and then put on Disney Plus mm-hmm. as their streaming debut. So Death on the Nile does not qualify. Right. So here are the things that do qualify for Disney Plus originals. Cheaper by the Dozen. Chippendale, Rescue Rangers. Pinocchio. Hocus Pocus 2. Disenchanted. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Or All right, so, Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, yes. <laughs> so those six are the nominees. Rolando, what do you pick for Best Disney Plus Original? Uh, so my pick for Best Disney Plus Original is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, I think out of all these that we covered, that has been the one that's kind of been my favorite. It was just fun, right? Which mm, I yeah. wasn't expecting it to be as fun and as meta as it was. So a uh, shout out to the creators of uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yes. And they were they wrote a different property that we had covered that we were not a fan of. And then when we found out that the writers for Chippendale were the writers do you remember what they had covered that we were like, oof, that wasn't good? Doolittle, I think. Yeah, Doolittle. Oh, my gosh. The Redemption Award of the Year, man, <laughs> <laughs> goes to those guys because, like, uh, maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, they were so good with that. But that's not my pick. Ooh, what did you pick? My pick for Best Disney Plus Original. I'm going to have to give it to Hocus Pocus 2. Really? It's just... It's so forgettable. I disagree. Mm. I actually... A couple of reasons. One, um, I feel like it was an event and it was a streaming event that you typically don't get. You don't get people being like, let's all go over to each other's house and make a night out of it. I had attended one of those events and I know a lot of people did. And I think Hocus Pocus 2 like, was the most watched Disney Plus uh, original in its premiere ever. Right. So people turned out for it. And I just also think that it was an interesting and different take on this new property. Um, they could have just give us, given us the same exact film regurgitated back at us like so many of these other properties did. And mm-hmm. it did it. It did something a little different and it kind of surprised us by the end. It didn't surpass the original by any, like, by any means. But yeah, it by was no still... stretch of the imagination. But it was still pretty enjoyable, yeah. and I think I don't know. I liked it. Um, okay. I mean, so, yeah, to each but own. also, I also think that Disney Plus <laughs> content is among some of the worst properties that we've tackled this year. So, it's uh, it's not saying much, and and with the company that it keeps. Okay, interesting. Uh, interesting take. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the best HBO Max original. Because after uh, Disney Plus, the next one that we had that had a lot of uh, 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 streaming content, content, thank you, was HBO Max. And to qualify for it to be an HBO Max original, it had to be a HBO Max exclusive, uh, which means it just aired for the first time on HBO Max. It did not start in theaters and then work its way into HBO Max shortly thereafter. So... Yeah, example, well, the Batman would not count on this one because the Batman you know, would not count. It came out in theaters, I think, like 
less than um, like less than six weeks later, it was already on HBO Max. Yeah, Warner Brothers' rule is that it has mm-hmm. to be ninety days if it theatrically was released before it could come on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Elvis and other Warner Brothers films. Um, I would argue Matrix Revelations does not qualify because it did come out in theaters simultaneously. Simultane, I I will take simultaneous. Okay, you'll yeah, take simultaneous. I'll take simultaneous because uh, again, that was technically from last year, but it was like the tail end of last year. Uh, but you know, yeah, it is okay. It was the holiday season, so so uh, simultaneously, I I think counts because they were being marketed as that as like in theaters and HBO Max. Got it. So the Batman okay. doesn't qualify for that because he was already in theaters well before it showed up on HBO Max. Yeah. So, All right. The... Sounds good. Well, we got six nominations for yep. that, so uh, I'll kick it off with The Matrix Revolutions. It's Revolutions, not Revelations. Sorry, guys. Revol- oh, did you, say, did you say Revelations? I've been okay. saying Revelations. I think that was like the third the third one. I maybe. think it is the third one. <laughs> uh, Father of the Bride. A Christmas Story Christmas. Harry Potter Special, the Harry Potter Special. And Just Like That. And The Time Traveler's Wife. Wow. All right. Well, I guess for my pick, uh, this is hard <laughs> because I didn't really love any of these. Um, oh God! Even the, I want to pick the Harry special, Harry Potter special, but that feels like a cop out. So it does, just because it wasn't anything original. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, <laughs> none of these technically are. Uh, ah, that's true. Yeah. Oh gosh, I think I'll have to go with. Father of the Bride. Really? Oh, that's a shocking one for... I, I didn't expect that one from you. I thought you would pick A Christmas Story Christmas. Absolutely not. I, Father of the Bride is the only one I would rewatch. Mm. Um, other than the Harry Potter special. But even then, I probably wouldn't rewatch it. And I think overall, I just love the representation value of it. Um, there were good things about it. Overall, it just didn't work. But it was pleasant. Right. It was a nice, you know, watch. I mean, they obviously did not have faith in it. They just kind of threw it up on HBO Max with not a lot of publicity, not a lot of promotional value to it. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know about it. And if you want to see, you know, the new Latinx version of Father of the Bride with Gloria Stefan and, and Andrew Garcia, I mean, Andy Garcia, uh, you should check it out. It's currently on HBO Max. Yes. Is it still? On? I thought they removed it. Why would they remove it? Because HBO Max has been removing a ton of content. Really? Wait, you, are you? Is this all real news to you? Like HBO Max has been notorious since its merger with Discovery. To no, I know they. I mean, right now Warner stripping Brothers away. Yeah, they're stripping away content just to count it as a loss. So not only are they canceling movies that are like near end, mm-hmm. they're also taking away fully produced shows and uh, counting them as losses. So. Minx is one of my favorite shows that HBO Max had done this year that comes to mind that was removed completely from the platform. That's uh, crazy. I, I actually like know Father of the Bride was one of them. I could be it, mistaken. It might be then. Never mind. Um, I know a lot of people have lost jobs uh, within the Warner Brothers dividends um, mm-hmm. because of this. So crazy times. Um, yeah. Okay. What's your pick, Rolando? I'm going to go with The Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily my favorite series that we have covered, but uh, just the eye candy of Theo James is enough to, to get me through. And uh, 
shout out to HBO because this year not only did we get one Theo James show, but they also gave us White Lotus season two where Theo James was very, very often just shirtless and stuff on a beach. So, uh, you know what? That gets my vote. <laughs> uh, yeah. hilarious scene of just seeing like a younger version of yourself performing fellatio on another version of yourself, right? That was hilarious. It was funny. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, brings up these moralistic questions of time travel and stuff. Like, yeah. would you hook up with yourself? Did I ask you that? I think we did ask. Talk we about did. That, we right? had a whole conversation about that. So if mm-hmm. you want to hear more, listen to the episode. For sure. Um, yeah. And I will say it was an interesting show. I mean, it didn't quite, I think there were more issues for me than there were, you know, good things, but it was structured really well. This is by the same guys who did the Dracula that we covered. Mm-hmm. They had done Sherlock. Um, so they're really interesting writers. So it is worth checking out if that content's even available on HBO Max, because mm-hmm. it might not be. Um, all right. So in terms of streaming, let's end the streaming uh, trilogy here with overall what we think is the best streaming service content provider. Yeah. Of course, our pick of the litter would be Disney Plus, HBO Max, Apple TV, Peacock, Hulu, Paramount Plus. Netflix and Amazon Prime. Wow, there's just so much. There um, is so much. Uh, we actually cover like a little bit from here and there from everybody, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So overall, are we saying that this was the best in terms of all of these properties, or what's the streaming service like that we go to for content? I think that is up to you to decide how you would interpret this award, right? Like mm. for me, I think I'm going to pick which streaming service could I reliably turn to to find entertainment uh, right so like yeah. all right, so I'll tell you so my pick would be Disney plus I think you're not wrong in saying that like it gave us some of the shittier stuff but I think the quality stuff it did give us uh, does outperform some of the shittier stuff right uh, okay specifically so for me the one that comes to mind is like obi-wan was a shockingly pretty good uh prequel to the star wars prequels a prequel to no it was a, a prequel to the originals but yeah a sequel to the prequels whatever that weird <laughs> intermediate uh thing where it lands right uh also you know i i enjoyed disenchanted i thought disenchanted turned out to be a very very charming film that i i very much liked yeah. uh, you know so i think that for me took edged out all the other streaming services that we covered i mean if for overall enjoyment by that matrix then i would definitely say hbo max hbo max has a lot of different hubs within it one of them being turner classic movies uh i think another one is like they have things for children um they have their original content, so they just kind of have this thing that appeals to everybody. I feel like Disney Plus, I would absolutely agree with you if I liked Marvel mm. or if I was like a fan of that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, they don't have anything practically that isn't like a Disney live action film, you know, from the 30s, 40s, or 50s. So, like, it's pretty limited if, God forbid, you don't like Star Wars mm-hmm. or if you don't, if you're kind of over this whole, you know, uh, comic book superhero culture that we're immersed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in HBO Max, you get variety. 
And variety is the spice of life, something that movies have certainly forgotten. And I just definitely, I mean, Disney Plus is, it's, it's good. I do enjoy it. And it would probably be my second or third choice, but HBO Max, I think by far. I think my most uh, disappointed the one that I don't like as much as Amazon Prime. I feel like there's nothing on there. <laughs> oh, all right. I mean, Amazon kind of came in hot with uh, Lord of the Rings. Is that enough for me to like call it my favorite streaming service? But Lord of yeah. the Rings was so, so good. Uh, it's a shame that well, you're not into like that deep lore. But yeah. it, is so, it is such a good show. Like By the end of it, I'm just like... I, I was know, not a fan of it. Um, I also just feel like in terms of original content and movies, like Amazon Prime doesn't really have anything. I think like in terms of their original shows, Marvelous Miss Maisel is a good one. Um, but I can't really think of anything else. Like even HBO Max is like some of the biggest shows this year, which is White Lotus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people also love that show Euphoria. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say HBO Max for me would be like my favorite streaming service. I was going looking at it from the context of like the stuff that we have covered, basically. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, so otherwise, HBO Max for sure, one hundred percent is like I'll go to HBO Max first, and then I'll go to Netflix. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Well, even even with the stuff that we've covered, uh, we do a lot of H- uh, Disney Plus, but I guess I enjoy HBO Max mm-hmm. more. Okay. Um, yeah. Even though Hulu, does Hulu technically qualify as a Disney service? It is technically owned by Disney, but it's its own service. That's where they put yeah. more adult content. That's where they put like Prey and uh, Hellraiser, which, you know, 50% batting average there. That, you know, one very, very good, enjoyable film. True. Uh, True. Hellraiser was kind Prey. of disappointing, but. Uh, Hellraiser was, yeah, but Prey was very good. Prey, um, yeah, I throw, Prey was such a fun film. All right, so next one, let's stick with television shows, and let's say, what is our favorite binge of the year? Mm. Uh, we really only have 12 candidates, even though we have 13 shows. The Harry Potter special is not a binge. Uh, so out of the 12 <laughs> TV shows that we have previously stated are our nominations, uh, I'll go first for this one, because mine was kind of like, I was like, I don't, I don't really binge anymore, so I was like, I don't have anything, but I was like, there was one thing I binged and that I loved. It was a league of their own. It was a league of their own. Oh, um, okay. I, I mean, I had problems with it, but overall, I was very, uh, just happy that it existed. Um, and like, really, really appreciated the amount of research and voices that they gave to you know gay people mm-hmm. and the, the queer community in the '40s, and then also to um, the black community. Because Mm -hmm. there's, like, one scene in the original League of Their Own, and they took that one scene where there's, like, a, a, you know, woman on the field that obviously is not allowed on the field because of the color of her skin that can throw better than anyone else. And they expanded on that story, you know, and they said, hey, here are all these people who had the privilege to join the League, and here's one, like, let's focus on this one person who doesn't have any privilege. Um, Yeah, I thought it was overall really good. I thought it was interesting. Um... I, yeah, I watched the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I think I watched more than you guys, which is like the first time yeah. that that happened. I yeah, I, I finished like, it. I thought I stopped uh, four episodes in and stuff, and it, it's I, yeah. I'm not a sports guy. Then lesbians, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is that the Abby Jacobson and Greta, um, whatever her last name is, uh, they weren't completely believable as a romantic couple, but other than that, it was a good show. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. No. I know what yours is, though. I no, I don't is. think you do, because I'm actually torn between two of them. But go ahead. Who do you okay. think is one of them? I think so, one of them is obvious. I think, I at first I thought it was Interview with the Vampire, 
because oh. you loved it. I did. I did love it. You did uh, love it. But um, I didn't binge it. Actually, I held off on finishing it. And when I finished it, it was a satisfactory ending. Okay. Uh, but I would not call it my favorite binge. Although it was so, a good it was a good binge. Like when Eddie and I did start watching it, like we could not stop. We were we had to know like where this what happened? was going to go. Yeah. Uh but No, you guys definitely did love it. I mean, okay, f- yeah. from what the only one that I can't say is Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan might be surprising me cuz I wasn't here for that episode. But uh-huh. I think that if it's not interview with the vampire, it's got to be either Queer's Folk or Wednesday. Cuz those are two I'm actually torn right between. Uh so there we Queer's go. Folk is a hate watch a little bit because I actually think it's very problematic. I think it has a lot of strengths to it, but it also has a lot of weaknesses, but I did enjoy watching it from beginning to end and kind of sometimes rolling my eyes, sometimes wishing the show was better because there was so much potential with queer as folk. Uh, it was a, you know, it was a, I think it was a big step forward in, queer representation in media uh specifically the fact that it's you know by the film the film the the tv series and the remake is written by a very queer by very queer writers and they went Mm -hmm. out of their ways to cast queer castmates right uh and i think that's kind of important uh even if the show itself was kind of wonky I think it was trying to do something that like we haven't seen on tv and you know what it got canceled so mm. that's all we'll ever get of, of, of this story. Uh, but Wednesday, I think, was the other show that I just can't like. That was like a show that had me hooked from beginning to end. Was it the, my favorite thing I've seen on Netflix? Mm, maybe, actually, because I, I think it was just so much fun to watch. Uh, I did enjoy Jenna Ortega as Wednesday, like very, very much so. And uh, uh, I think... Yeah, I love a good teen drama, and this kind of yes, delivered do. in a way that, like, some of the teen <laughs> dramas of last year that we covered, like Gossip Girl, didn't. So mm-hmm. it's be- I'm torn between those two. I think Wednesday might edge it out because I think it's a more fun watch than Queer as Folk because, as I said, Queer as Folk was a little bit of a hate watch because yeah. there's some times where I'm just, like, cringing at how terrible the show is. And yet I'm keeping I'm, – I'm, I'm watching not just for the eye candy but because it has, like, these – Mo- like when queers folk is good it's good when it's mm. bad it's bad <laughs> wednesday is a nice it's just like wednesday is just like it's fine it's good it's enjoyable throughout so because of that consistency <laughs> consistency is key for yeah all right sure. cool yeah no i'm glad you were able to to shout out queers folk too um and that's a really good episode to go back and listen like when you have that kind of torn feelings about something mm-hmm. um Cool. Well, on the flip side of best binge, now let's go to the best reason to go to the theaters again. This is a movie that we saw in the theater and that you had to see it big and you had to be in a room full of strangers, hopefully with a packed theater, even though Rolando typically goes on a Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of films that we actually saw in the theater this year. And just to kind of refresh everyone's memory on those, um, Scream, Five Cream. Death of the Nile. Cyrano. The Batman. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Jurassic World. Lightyear. Elvis. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Avatar The Way of Water would have been on here. Um, but we're going to cover that next year. But I did see it. IMAX 3D. With Ew. a packed theater on a Tuesday night. What was the vibe? 
Uh, it was crazy, actually. Like, people were taking pictures yeah. next to, like, the posters in the lobby. The oh. lobby was packed before and after the movie at, like, 11 o'clock at night. Oh. Um, it was filled with a lot of different type of people, like, a lot of families, a lot of little kids. Yeah, um, I mean, that, but, that, that checks out. That checks out. But in terms of reactions to the movie, I didn't really hear as much, but it was a pretty quiet theater. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean... I don't remember what it was. I was high the first time I saw the first Avatar, and I hated it. <laughs> and when I saw it sober, I still hated it, right? So, like, yeah. that's why I haven't been in a rush to see this, but I haven't heard a single thing, right? Because that's what made Avatar cross that threshold into the most, uh, uh, like, the most lucrative movie ever yes. was because of word of mouth and how long it's mm-hmm. been in the box office. As, Which I think half of that word of mouth was people who hated it, too, so... I mean, certainly me was one of those. <laughs> yeah, I hated uh, it. Yeah. I mean, I only saw it because I was like, I have to. I mean, it's a movie event and this is what gets people to the theater. I have to participate in that. Oh, you know, God. I, I Even can't. Even back then, you were like that nerd being like, the theater is the most important thing. Oh, my God. We must No, it. well, back then it, I wasn't. But <laughs> this year, I am. I uh, am. The, I am the spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, that you are. AMC, hire me as your spokesperson. Um, yeah, that's right. Fire Nicole Kidman. Yeah, <laughs> get the other in Nicole Pametti. <laughs> AMC, we make movies better. Uh, so we'll we'll pause on any more conversation of Avatar for when we do cover it. But mm-hmm. I think we would be in agreement. I think it's pretty unanimous as the best reason to go to the theater. Right. Um. The band. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I thought it was Elvis actually, but okay. <laughs> uh, no, I let's be real. It was Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I, I would argue that if you didn't see Top Gun Maverick in a theater, you might not be getting everything you can out of it. Um, it doesn't feel, some movies won't feel the same when you watch it at home. And I would say that Top Gun Maverick probably doesn't feel the same watching it at home as it would in a movie theater. Yeah, uh, I I would agree. I think you need the sound. I think you need like the big screen. Yeah. It, 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 the movie feels so much larger than life that like you need to kind of experience it in the big screen similar to uh that movie that i i haven't seen on the big screen and i think people have told me like it's not worth watching uh the one mad max uh, oh mad max Fury road yeah i i never saw that one in theaters and i haven't seen it since and people have told me it's just like don't bother if you didn't see the big screen it's not worth it yeah i mean there are certain things like that like dune you know, like Dune, I'm sure is very different in an IMAX versus at home watching. Wait, it depends. wasn't like, Dune this year? Dune was last year. Dune was last year. Dune was last year. Really? 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 No way. <laughs> Dune? Dune was one of like the first like let's go back to the movie theater experiences that a lot of people oh, were having. Wow, you're right. Why did it feel like it was like this past summer? Because you don't go to the theater that much. I guess. I guess that's why. <laughs> Um. Yeah, Top Gun Maverick, absolutely. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, it was a really good movie that I actually wish I saw IMAX was Nope, um, because they shot mm. it on IMAX cameras, and I actually really liked Nope. I think it's got some issues as a story overall, but it was a really good movie, and I wish I saw it even bigger. Yeah, Nope was actually one of my favorite movies of the year, and I think it is my favorite Jordan Peele movie to date. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I think I've... Stood on that one. I, it's I've come to that conclusion. It's like no, this nope is the one that I've enjoyed so far the most out of all his three films. I I would say same for me in terms of overall enjoyment. But 
All right, so moving on to the next one, we have best legacy sequel because we got a lot of those this year. Um, a legacy sequel also, I guess the definition of that would be that it had to have been probably more than 10 years and that constitutes as a revival for us. So anything mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, but this was a sequel. Well, if it's been a sequel that is long overdue, it's a legacy sequel and also therefore a revival. Um, so we don't have too many of them, but uh, there's a couple. And, you know, among them would be like A Christmas Story Christmas, Disenchanted. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess you could argue maybe. No, Black Panther wouldn't okay. be. That would be more of a reboot. No, uh, that was like a soft reboot. It yeah. was a sequel. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2. Hocus Pocus 2. Prey, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. Um, Prey, maybe it is a prequel, and I maybe, maybe I don't know. Prey, Prey is a little iffy on that one, but fine. Well, it revived the property, sure. But yeah, it's not a it's not a sequel, right? So it is a little tough. But what would you pick, Rolando, for best legacy sequel? Top Gun Maverick for me for sure. Yeah, that kind of, I think, now has set... Now we're going to get a bunch of new legacy sequels that take the Top Gun Maverick approach because it worked so well. Um, if well, I were to kind of... Mm -hmm. Well, what do you define as a Top Gun Maverick approach? Uh, so kind of wanting to give... The thing about Top Gun Maverick that I feel like is different from a lot of other films is that it has the same atmospheric quality as the original, mm -hmm. where it was really corny. And it kind of felt like an old school movie. And it reminded you of what movie going experiences used to be like. Because it felt so much in like based in its old school ways. Mm -hmm. But it also, you know, it took the original film. And it just kind of had a new story. But it also was there to constantly be doing these little, little references. Like on the beach, you know, with everyone's shirts off. or. Right. Uh, scenes at the bar where they're singing Great Balls of Fire. You know, these little things that remind you of all the moments that you loved from the original without it being a regurgitation. Right. Um, so that's what I think. I think overall, like a film that reminds you of what movies used to be. Not so much the original film, but like, you know, how movies have changed and how the tone of movies have changed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, Are you I, like I, I tried to think of just like like how if because I think part of the reason why uh, uh, the Top Gun Maverick worked was because it really kind of did away with like the stuff that didn't work from the original one and just focused on what's the stuff that worked on the on on like the stuff that did work and and in that case yeah. it'd be like the the intense flying sequences so it's just like what do we do let's film it up close and personal let's make the act you know giving you that feel of what it was like to be in the air is what made that movie so successful i don't know that's why i was like confused it's just like i don't know how other legacy sequels can do that i don't think um, they're gonna have the opportunity to do to do that because oftentimes the problem is like some of these with top gun is an interesting case because the original one is not a good movie in my opinion so you had to really kind of like scrape the bottom of the barrel to figure out what worked. And then for it to work so well is shocking. Yeah. Well, it's kind of unfair because like films, we know we've progressed so far with at least like with our cameras and with our stunts and uh, with all the technological advancements we made that of course, like a movie about pilots is going to be better in 2022 than it would be in 1985. 
Um, yeah, but they, but I guess there were also differences they made. They were structural with the film itself. In fact, we created stakes at the very beginning. The original Top Gun Maverick had no stakes up until like the last act. Yeah. Right. So like, you're we they kind of figured out some of the flaws of the original one. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, the original film is not very good. If you take away all the cool stuff, it's mm-hmm. not very good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess even though it wouldn't qualify as a legacy sequel, I just want to draw attention to Prey on Hulu because I think it's a really interesting film. And I think that, you know, Disney did a disservice by just throwing it up on Hulu. I think that had this film been released theatrically, I think with the word of mouth that spread, you know, would have maybe given them some good box office numbers. Yeah. And it would have been an interesting movie to see in the theater, especially had they made the decision to keep the the Cherokee language language. the the, the, the dub you know because you have options on hulu you can watch it either with an english dub or with a cherokee dub or comanche i'm sorry i i can't remember which one um and it just works so well if you watch it in in that way so and it's also just a really good movie and you're in and out within 90 minutes it's a new approach on this you know world that we know uh, on this predator universe Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with all those other sequels is that they kept like making it like, oh, they put it in New York. Well, it's not upset much about it. No, wait, LA or mm-hmm. in the future, in the future. Let's go to the past. Right. <laughs> I think know? putting in the past was the best thing they did. I agree with you. And actually, I would say for sure, if Prey had been in theaters, it would have given, for me at least, uh, Top Gun Maverick a run for its money because while Top Gun yeah. Maverick was a wonderful film to watch on screen, I think Prey is one of those like films that really it, it really harkened back to like that classic 80s uh style of filmmaking you know action movies and stuff uh in a way that we just hadn't seen which is just having a female protagonist having them uh be indigenous folk having them uh you know like like in the 80s we really had like this thing of brawn over is it brawn over matter is that what it is I'm not sure. Brawn over brains, brain, and then in, in this one it was kind of like it was her ingenuity that kind of like beat the predator. It's fun. Yeah. It was a good movie. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, very good. Um. Okay, so the next we're gonna call the Redemption Award, which is you know either a filmmaker, a writer, producer, or an actor who was in a property that was not very good that redeemed themselves. Uh. Now it's this one's a little hard because there's we haven't I haven't at least you know selected a couple that uh could qualify as a nominee for this do you have any Rolando? no do you have no the one yeah Uh, (laughs) should we skip this one is it is it no it's chippendales right that's what you wanted to do that's what i feel like is the redemption you wanted to give an honorary one to chippendales people that's fine yeah so let's let's do that the honorary redemption award to the writers of the terrible film doolittle go to the writers of the good film chippendale rescue rangers So yeah, and we almost had them on the show. Yes, almost. almost. If uh, yeah. if they ever responded to their emails, <laughs> it was this close. It was so close. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, a fun one. Actually, we're we have a new one called Yes Queen, the favorite yes. queer moment. Actually, it's Yas Queen. Thank you. It is Yas queen yeah our favorite queer moment by which i mean it could be anything from having actual queer representation on screen or queer actors or actresses portraying roles that we really really loved 
in any of the things that we have covered this year. Yep. Uh, and we actually had a lot to choose from if we, we did. think about it, right? Because uh, not that I think he's going to win, but like you had Che on uh, and just like that. Yes. Uh, I don't think he's going to win, but <laughs> I don't think so fair. either. Because I had the uh, unapologetic trans character on the. Fr- no, not the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'm thinking of Saved by the Bell. That was last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Time Traveler's wife had the the blowjob scene with uh, <laughs> with the guys. I'm counting that. Queer as is folk, that your favorite? Uh, queer. Well, no, it's not necessarily my favorite, but Queer as Folk also had uh, it's it's uh, as a whole. I would say Jurassic World. I think the actress who played the pilot said that her character was bi, but the problem is like we didn't really see it on screen. Uh, Lightyear, for example, had. A lesbian couple, right? Mm-hmm. Causing outrage, yes, for some people. Yes, mm-hmm. see, stuff like that. Um, interview with a vampire is just straight up gay, and yeah, I'm kind of here for it. Uh, so I don't know. Like, does anything? Maybe something I didn't cover, but does anything come to mind for you? Absolutely, Nicole? I have. Uh, I have a winner. Um, so my yes queen is gonna go to Lee Robinson, who portrayed Bertie Hart in a league of their own who played a black transgender man in the 1940s mm. and unapologetically was just being themselves and living their lives in the forties. Um, and being representative of people who actually did exist. Okay, guys, this isn't a fucking made up thing that Hollywood did. People like this existed. And Lee Robinson gave a beautiful voice to these people who have been kind of historically lost um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, people who had to, you know, live in the shadows or live amongst us and not really be openly themselves. Um, and they did great. They did absolutely a great job. Uh, so, yeah, that's mine. Yeah. All right. That's a that's a good one that I hadn't even thought about. But, yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. For me, I'm going with Interview with a Vampire. Uh, there was something about this really toxic relationship on screen Uh that I was just really, really drawn to, right? Like they, Lestat and Louis are awful for each other. And uh, I, I don't know. It was just such an interesting portrayal of a gay couple that you don't often get on screen, right? Like it's like, it's like this weird passionate love that they have for each other, but also this deep, deep resentment they have for each other. Uh, it's something that I think only gets relegated to a hetero sexual couples on sitcoms like everybody was Raymond, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh except without the abuse. This was interview with the vampire did have the abuse. Uh but yeah, the show was very, very unapologetically gay. And I really, really love that about it. So Interview with a Vampire, I think, ends up winning the cake. And uh oh, confirmed, Armand shows up by the end of uh of the first season and oh yep, they're in a couple too. They're a relationship, him and Louis. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Gee, Louis getting around. Louis does get around. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, Brad Pitt would never. Let me. That's all I want to say. <laughs> he, was, he was too mopey. <laughs> all right. So next one, we actually, which is another fun one we've added. It's uh, Mi Gente, the favorite Latinx moment. Yes. Uh, there actually, I feel like, weren't as many. Um, when I look at the list, I'm like, hmm, there, there were either supporting characters or, you know, brief cameos or whatnot. Some of them, 
Geralda did. But uh, Rolando, do you have something that stands out for you as a favorite Latinx moment? So here I'm torn with two. Uh, oh, okay. Where it, Wednesday comes to mind, right? And uh, Jenna Ortega as as Wednesday Adams. I think she was phenomenal. I thought she yeah. was uh, great in the role. And uh, she really, really owned it. But I'm leaning more and more towards uh, Tenak Huerta as uh, Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Just because, like, I don't know. For me, it just did something. Outside of, like, the beautiful man before me on screen, I think it also really kind of checks off something in me that I didn't realize I needed, which is just, like, having that, like, kind of very, very Hispanic-looking man being in a superhero movie front and center. Uh, the only thing I can relate it to is, like, that I just never connected to was, like, uh, some women when they said that when they saw Wonder Woman on screen doing her big superhero shop for the first time, it kind of like ignited something in them that they didn't, that never connected with in the superhero movie. This kind of did something with, with that for me too. And it's funny because I've seen so many superhero movies and that's the first time I had this like feeling as I'm watching it. So yeah, that those, it was, I, I think I'm leaning towards, uh, towards that no more on uh, Black Panther. Nice. Wakanda forever. What about you? Um, that is a pretty good one. You know, I'm torn because I just didn't feel like anything really, really stood out dynamically. Um, you know, I hate to be a broken record, but you know, the, the Latinx people on a league of their own were really interesting. Um, especially, uh, oh God, the one actress who is the pitcher, the Cuban. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, no, there's the Cuban who doesn't really speak English, but then there's, I think her character's name was Roberta and she was like the star pitcher and she just like had like a chip on her shoulder throughout the whole show. Mm. And she, you know, like just giving me the best Latinx and, and queer vibes. Um, but I think I'm going to have to, I don't know. This is tough. I mean, I guess I have to really give it up to, to, the representation on Wednesday in terms of the whole family, mm. minus Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, well, she's not Hispanic. She's not Hispanic. <laughs> we talk about uh, that nauseum. But not only do I like Jenna Ortega as Wednesday, I really like Louis Guzman as Gomez. He grew um, on me. He grew on me too. Yeah. It was so hard for me to accept anyone other than uh, Raul Julia, but he did it. And I really like the way that he, he did that role. And he actually kind of felt recognizable outside of just like, Gomez Adams as like that uh, that type of man you know who is so enamored with his his wife and with his life um I mean not the heart, not the easiest to find but still recognizable mm-hmm. so I guess I would have to give it to uh to that you yeah. know I didn't like Wednesday as much right no I I would agree with you also I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but the Charles Adams always wanted Gomez to be kind of fat and like not as attractive as Morticia, right? That was supposed to be their dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, this loving couple, it's a unattractive man with this beautiful woman and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, no shade to Louis Guzman, but, <laughs> Guzman, but you know. I you mean, Catherine Jones just is beautiful. Like, oh, so, yeah. Like, you're yeah. gorgeous, right? And yeah. uh, Luis Guzman is just not as much. But I think that, that was part of the interesting hate that he got at the role right because like Raul mm. Julia is a handsome man and has this like beautiful relationship with uh, the beautiful Angelica Houston 
where people can like kind of swallow that pill, but they can't swallow the the opposite, which is just like you know Guzman and Catherine Zeta Jones. I think it would be hard if people were to see it differently. What if Morticia was the fat one? And what if he was like a really thin, handsome man? I think that is something people would never. I think we're kind of used to seeing not yes. so attractive men with beautiful women. I don't That's disagree. That's very with much it. a norm. Uh, yeah, actually, I think I follow a TikToker who she is kind of like overweight, uh, voluptuous, I guess I would call her. And uh, she has like a very, very handsome, muscular man. And like she's constantly getting so many hate comments yeah yeah and it's like it's it's a, it's ridiculous know, it's, it's, yeah we're on the verge of 2023 like let it go people let it seriously. go seriously like <laughs> yeah. um but yeah but it's just it's also like crazy how shallow we are as a society where mm-hmm. we look at things we're like hmm, i don't buy that um okay so let's move on to performances best actor in a remake reboot or revival so this is for any of these properties, not just film or television. Mm-hmm. We, it's the guy that we thought did the best and the most in any of these properties. Uh, I need to think about mine for a little bit, but I think Rolando, you might have yours ready. Yes, I do have mine. Uh, my pick for best actor in a remake, reboot, or revival goes to Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Wow, in the Batman. <laughs> I think he was he disappears into that role like to the point where like if you didn't know that was colin farrell you would not know until those credits yeah uh and uh, i've heard rumors that he is going to be like the main star for batman 2 like he's gonna be the king yeah of the television show uh, oh the television shows they're even better mm-hmm. uh so i'm looking forward to that colin farrell's having a year Oh, yeah. He's in one of my absolute favorite films of the year, Banshees the Banshee? of Sharon. Yeah. yeah, a great, great film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I, think people are, like, realizing that he's, like, a solid actor, which he's been for a long time. Oh, well, yeah, um, he kind of did the... He was doing the indie scene for a really, really long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was a fuckboy. He still might be a fuckboy, but... Now he's a fuckboy with talent, yeah. which is <laughs> which is a dangerous thing. You know? Seriously. Um, uh, Nicole, who you know, who I have to give heart? it up. I got to give it up to Austin Butler as Elvis, um, because we've seen Elvis done so many times, mm-hmm. and to the point where Elvis is now a cliche and a stereotype. And yet, when you watch Elvis, you're not kind of like the movie. You're not laughing at what he does. He kind of like quickly embodies everything that you find familiar with Elvis, but then actually makes him a real character and someone who you're on the journey with for the length of that film. Um, And even though Elvis is, it was hard for us. We couldn't find any direct thing that it was a direct remake of. We've all seen Elvis before. We know him. Um, He did it a little differently. I don't think the movie ever got too, too deep into who Elvis was or anything, but he still did a pretty good job. So I'm going to have to give it to him. Yeah, I would... I, I I concur on that one. He nice. he was he was very very good as Elvis. Absolutely. Not my favorite movie by a long shot this year. <laughs> I have not seen it show up on a lot of my TikTokers I follow as like top ten lists. Yeah, a lot of people are divided on it. Um, and I don't. I mean, it's going to be on my top ten list, but it's definitely. Uh, I can understand why it's not on other people's lists for mm-hmm. sure. So. Uh, okay, so best actress in a remake, reboot, or revival. You know, I think I got mine. I think I got mine. Do you? All right, so go. Yeah. I, the one that just like completely stood out to me when I was looking at the list, and I was like, I have to just go with my gut here. It's going to be uh, Amy Adams. 
in Disenchanted because okay. she did something really interesting was that she took her character from what 13 or so years ago and she did something a little different with it you know she had this this challenge of now uh what's her name again uh not El- not Ella Ella uh, no. no it's not Ella Enchanted that's why I always confuse those. Uh, I don't know. Well, whatever her character's name is, you know, she took her and this is her 13 years later, but now she's becoming slowly a wicked stepmother. And she has, she's torn between the two of who she really is and who the spell is turning her into. So she was able to access the same character that she had done 13 years ago and then add a new dynamic to it and essentially be two roles in one. Um, in terms of remake, reboot or revival, that's a really interesting approach to take to your character and I think she nailed it. I think she did a great job. So I'm going to have to give it to Amy Adams for Disenchanted. Yeah, okay, great. That's a good choice. Uh, she for sure was on my short list of favorite performances this year Yeah. Uh, as an actress. Uh, my pick is Gal Gadot in Death of the Nile. <laughs> oh, God. Let the champagne flow <laughs> like the Nile. Is that what she says? <laughs> no. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be uh jenna ortega as wednesday adams i think she really really embodied that role in a way that i did not think anyone could especially given like how iconic of a performance christina ricci did give however i do want to give out uh there were a lot of women to contend with uh that i do believe deserves some some shout outs oh the actress from Prey, I think, is yes, it deserves like a shout out. I'm sorry, I don't have her name in front of me at the moment, but I thought she was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another woman that I was thinking. Oh, and uh, the woman who plays the witch in or the witches in Macbeth. Yes. Oh, uh, she's so dynamic. Who I, I thought was robbed of an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, I just remembered that for the Mi Gente Award, really quick. I, I've, If Che, and then just like that, had more dimension to her and she just wasn't the stereotype and wasn't handled the way that she was, she had the potential of winning that award. I mean, um, yeah, I don't disagree with but, you. But they fucked that up, so never mind. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's close out performances with worst performance in any remake, reboot, or revival. I mean, I have mine. You have yours? All right, go. Because oh, yeah. I, off the top of my head, I don't, but I'm sure it'll come to me real quick. Oh, wait, no, I, I lied. I already know who it you is. You have no. yours? Yeah. Okay, mine is Tom Hanks. Mm. <laughs> Anything he did. Uh, and Elvis, he, I thought, was terrible as a colonel. And they just put a fat suit on, on him and he just phoned it the fuck in. I don't and he did the same exact He's thing in Pinocchio. He is so not. He's I think getting an Oscar nomination for both those films. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, <laughs> in Pinocchio, he was also terrible as Geppetto. I mean, we got a real Geppetto this year with Guillermo del Toro's, and he was a fucking stop-motion character. And he did way more with his role than Tom Hanks ever could. Uh, I don't Tom know. Tom Hanks I needs like, to yeah. call it quits. I like Tom Hanks in both those roles. I actually enjoyed him as a villain in, in, uh, in Elvis, and I thought he was the only thing that worked in Pinocchio. That's saying, <laughs> that is unfortunately saying a lot, be, not saying a lot because Pinocchio was terrible. Worked. Yeah. Pinocchio yeah. is like easily one of the worst of the worst uh, of the year. Yeah. Uh, but he one was of one of the only things, things that I like enjoyed in the, in the show, in the thing. So, 
but my worst performance in a in a remake, reboot, or revival goes to oh damn, uh, Will Arnett in Murderville. Oh, he was it was he was disappointing. It's just like yo, Will Arnett. Like I know you can do a lot better. You were kind of like maybe he's just not good at improv. I mean, it's it's for me. It was definitely a step down from a Murder and Success film. The British oh yeah, version. oh my god, Murder and Success film was it's so good. Yeah, like that's um, one of those few things where like I saw the original one and I'm just like, oh wow, I want more of that. Yeah, uh, so it's I don't know, I don't know what happened there. I was yeah. very disappointed with it Murder, was, and they though. had a Christmas special. Yeah, so I guess enough people liked. I mean, I know some people liked it, and some people just don't get British humor which is to me it's not even british humor it's just humor um but i know a lot of people who were kind of not into the original one and thought that murderville was an improvement which i just i completely disagree with yeah no i um, i agree with you on that one uh yeah that that is my least favorite performance although uh critic uh honorable mention does go to zach efron in firestarter yes which itself was a dumpster fire yeah. Um, <laughs> and Gal Gadot in uh, Death on the Nile is also pretty Don't terrible. come for Gal Gadot, okay? <laughs> Do not come for, for my girl Gal there. Um. Yeah. No, Tom Hanks for me definitely uh, does it all. All right. So before we get to the big ones, um, we had someone who did three episodes with us this year. Mm-hmm. And that's Mackenzie Green. We love having Mackenzie on the show. And so in honor of her being a recurring guest on the show, we decided to give a shout out to one of our favorite Mackenzie moments. Mm. Uh, do you have one, Rolando? I do, actually. For what some reason, it? the one I can't get out of my head was when she said that uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum can forever get it. <laughs> it just comes to mind because it's hilarious, A, yeah. but I don't disagree with her because he was he's still there's still something very charming about him on screen and uh as not great as jurassic world was i stand by I, it's shown up a lot of people's like most hated movie of the year i don't think it's that bad i think the movie is absolutely fine like what else did you expect but uh yeah Jeff goldblum can get it he is still sexual he is still hot good yeah good for you and jeff and mackenzie green you gave us all the courage to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, my choice Mackenzie moment would have to be when she was really upset that she wasn't on the Top Gun Maverick episode. Yeah. And that she, I think she brought it up for two episodes, uh, the Jurassic <laughs> World so and, uh, and Black Panther. So mm-hmm. um, it was just so funny to see just how upset she was <laughs> and how much she, and how much she was surprised that she loved Top Gun Maverick, as yep. we all were surprised by that. Oh, so. yeah, I know, for sure. Um, before we get to the big, big awards, let's also take a moment to do a remembrance and an in-memoriam for all the properties that we weren't able to cover this year. All the year. properties that we remember that we never covered this year. Yeah. Uh, I uh, kicked things off earlier when I said the Santa Clauses. There you go. Uh, um, for example. Yeah. Uh, let us remember that we never covered the Proud Family. Uh, the mole on Netflix. There you go. Um, all quiet on the Western Front. Although I do want to maybe tackle that in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Okay, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the man who fell f- from the sky. The man who fell to earth. Yes. The man yes. who fell to earth. 
Clerks 3. Oh, I whoa. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> um shit, I had a I had a long list and I I don't have it on me, but yeah, those those are some of the things that came to mind for me for sure. Do you have yeah. more? Um, there were a couple. Like we didn't do the uh, Turner and Hooch. I think that was on Disney. Plus oh, or... that's right. I do. Yeah. Uh, I'm the one who even pitched it. Yeah. Like uh, you have a absolute hate for Tom Hanks. I guess. I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not back like when he was good, Tom Hanks. Uh, now, uh, we were gonna maybe do Blonde, and then after I saw Blonde, I said let's scrap it. Mm-hmm. So, um, in memoriam of the film that Blonde could have been. Yeah. Uh, How I Met Your Father also. Yes. It had there we go. Awful reviews. Yeah, and... I wonder how that's '90s show is gonna go. Oh, I'm so glad you kn- you know that it's on our on our agenda next yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, High Fidelity also is another one, a Hulu original yes. that we did not cover. We were maybe going to cover that last year because I think that was last, was it last year? year. I go to the source this year for Valentine's yeah. Day. Well, the biggest one that I have to shout out to of all time that we will never forget is The Secret Garden. <laughs> oh, Eddie was so mad. You made us watch three versions of The Secret Garden. And then we never got to The Secret Garden. I think that was when I was like going through a breakup and I just didn't have it in me. Um, so that's my excuse. But yeah. Yeah. He was so mad. He was furious. Really? I just said to... for making him watch also the Santa Clauses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went and saw Avatar. All right. Well, so. we have. We're, you're still making us cover it though. So. <laughs> well, I was. I was open to us not doing that. Eddie was the one that said we should do a full episode. So. Yeah, he still wants to see you. Uh, the puppy yeah. has gotten in the way of us watching things. Oh, poor pups. All right, guys, we're closing it out now. Let us rank the best in television. Wait, uh, do we do a worst in remakes, reboots, and revivals? Or at least I think we used to, right? We can do it. The let's overall do that. Before worst we go thing. to the best, do you want to do that do for last? Or do you want to do it for for before we do our best? Uh, let's do the worst first. Okay, fine. We'll do the worst first. Nicole, who is your pick for your the worst in remakes, reboots, or revivals? Uh, I have a tie um, between Cheaper by the Dozen okay. and Disney's P- Pinocchio. Oh, wow. Okay, Disney I think Plus is coming these, in hot for you. Yeah, I think these are two of the worst uh, that I just felt like never should have happened. And actually, they just get me angry. And they're trying to uh, pull on our heartstrings. And they're trying to exploit our emotions in order for us to enjoy this crappy ass shit. Um, they just didn't work for me. I didn't really enjoy it at all. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I could say in terms of at least television would be it just like that didn't work. Um, but mm. there is potential there mm, if they can yeah. fix it. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it would be Firestarter. It was, it's, yeah, I, I called it a dumpster fire before and I, I stand by it. It's so not good. Yeah. Uh, it might be one of the worst movies that we had to cover on this podcast for sure. It might. Wow. Be. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was pretty bad. It's it wasn't just, that bad. It's, but... uh, you don't think it's that bad? You think Pinocchio was worse than that? I do. Like, I think Pinocchio at least I could like hang off of Tom Hanks's epic performance as Geppetto, but there was nothing redeeming yeah. of uh, Firestarter. Yeah, no, it was it was it was bad. It was one of the worst. But all right, now let's go to the best. <laughs> what is your best in television, Rolando? 
So best in television for me is a hard one because some of these I didn't complete on the initial run. They I sat on them and then would finish them later on. And when I finished them, taking the whole show as a whole proved to be kind of changed my feelings on it. But if I had to give an award to the best in television, I'm probably honestly going to go with The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I think, yes, and it beat out Wednesday for me for just one very specific reason. I think The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power was, I think is such an epic show. I think it's so beautifully shot. You can tell Amazon and Bezos spent lots of money on this show. And it shows, and I think it paid off. And I think the best part about it is, since we're in a time period in the show where we know about it, a little bit through the writings of uh, like the Similarian and all that stuff. Uh, it gives the writers a lot of like liberty to just kind of create and uh, turn, you know, twists and turns here. Uh, and uh, we finally got to meet Sauron by the end of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, it's a promising show. I can't wait to watch season two. Uh, Wednesday, honorable mention for me for sure. All right. Um, I think mine is no surprise that it's a league of their own. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only ones I completed and had the desire to complete. Um, I guess if I were to say an honorable mention, no, I don't have any honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that was that was uh, the best. But I guess Wednesday. I watched probably the second most of Wednesday, even though I did not complete it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, best in film. Yep, go ahead. I, you know what? I think in terms of remakes, reboots, and revivals, um, I'm gonna have to go with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Whoa, okay. I think that the new spin that he gave it, the the remake quality. I think he pretty much he took a property that we know, we know very well. We actually got a different version of it this year. And he made it new. He made it refreshing. And he he told us something that we maybe haven't 100% seen in this way before. Um, and I appreciate that. That is pretty much at the art of adaptation and making something like it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And how he did it was beautiful. And I think it was one of the most surprising and eloquent pieces of film that we tackled this year. So I'm going to have to give it to that. Might not be my absolute favorite, but he handled the remake job very well. And yeah. Just you know, coming in hot two years in a row, Guillermo del Toro. I appreciate you. Yeah, I liked. I mean, I liked Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It wasn't my favorite film either, but it was fine. Uh, the musical numbers were, I think, like what dragged it. Had had there been no musical numbers, to be quite honest, or if they were better, uh, this movie probably would have been my my favorite. But uh, I think uh, my favorite one is probably Top Gun Maverick, to be quite honest. It is, I think it was the best film this year, and I think it deserves the Oscar for best film this year. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think honorable mention for me also goes to The Batman. I think The Batman was also uh, a wonderful film that... Sh- uh, really demonstrated that you could still be creative in telling Batman stories 
which seems wild to think about when we've had so many Batman stories, right? Yeah. But Matt Reeves really, I think he did a, a, a wonderful job in uh, directing this film. I enjoy Robert Pattinson's performance as Batman, less so as Bruce Wayne, but that's not, uh, I don't know if that's, his fault that really could be just like Bruce Wayne they're going for, which is a little bit, he's a little more emo. He's a little more depressed, Uh, but it does leave me excited to see what comes next in the Batman franchise. I'm quite surprised you didn't go with Wakanda forever. No, I liked Wakanda forever a lot, but uh, I, I think Batman, the Batman was a better film. And I'm quite surprised you didn't go with Angela Bassett for performance. You know, it was a it, I, there were a lot of strong female performances this year. Like uh, Amy Adams for sure uh, was. You know, I was also I was also considering Maya Rudolph. Ah, yeah, Maya you Rudolph know? was. There good, were yeah. there were a lot of strong women, female performances. I can't, you know, who yeah. did I pick? Uh, you picked Jenna Ortega, didn't you? Did I? I could have so I picked someone else. Maybe I did. I don't. <laughs> weird, I don't even remember. We just recorded a few minutes ago. <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up. All right, guys. Um, as always, we do an audience poll on our social media, specifically Instagram. And if you follow us and you voted, thank you so much. And it was kind of close. I mean, people voted all over the place. You know, we got in votes for Coda. Someone voted for something that wasn't even on the list. So mm-hmm. thank you for to that person. <laughs> um, yeah, we got a bunch of different ones, but there was one that won by one extra vote. And the audience pick 2022 winner is Top Gun Maverick. Yep. I, I'm not surprised. What a surprise. Not, like, <laughs> not surprised at all. Like, Top Gun Maverick is such an enjoyable film. and uh, Yeah. Highest grossing movie of 2022. Mm-hmm. Got people out to the theater. Got people excited about seeing movies again. And it was actually a good movie. So it got people I to do go, think... not only go back to the theater, but also go back to the theater, like, sometimes twice. Yeah, multiple yeah. times to see it. Um, it was a great, it was a great experience, mm-hmm. and it definitely won out twenty twenty two and reminded us why going to the movies is sometimes a thrill. Uh, and it was enjoyable. Tom Cruise, man. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Yep. No, he still got it. So yeah, audience pick twenty twenty two. Thank you so much for voting. Uh, we appreciate our listeners. And yeah, I think that just about does it. This was a long one. I think this was our longest best of. Uh, Ever. Well, we had more awards this time that we created. We did, yes. We put more that's thought why. into these this Absolutely. time. <laughs> but yeah, Happy New Year, guys. We will see you in 2023. Uh, we'll probably be doing Avatar first thing. Mm. Um. So yeah, Happy New Year indeed. But yeah, we'll see you guys next year. Until then, stay, stay unoriginal. original.